so we are we are bringing this thing into a landing this morning, in for a landing, this series where um, we said our bottom line statement really is this. Everything has a beginning point, right? Everything has a beginning point, which means faith has a beginning point. Your faith journey, my faith journey. Now, this is a series that uh, we're teaching that we have actually learned from a mentor. We're just trying to communicate it as accurately as we possibly can because it's made such an impact for us. Uh, so for most of us, and again, it's not, maybe not everyone, but a general statement, for most of us, uh, our faith journey began when we were kids. Uh, somebody kind of came along and said, here, believe this, and they handed us you know, what we were supposed to believe, and, and we did. We just believed it because that's what you do when you're a kid. You believe whatever it is your mom or your dad say. They say, here, this is what we believe, and this is what you believe. And, and you know what? That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, I didn't come along with Ella and, you know, hand her a book of fate of world religions and say, here, pick one. You know, whatever. I, I didn't do that. I mean, that's the way we did with our kids, too. I told them, no, this is what we believe. Here's why we believe it. And, and we just kind of went with that. And that's okay. We should do that. So I don't want you to think there's anything wrong with that because there's not. Um, but, and this is kind of where we've, we've transitioned is as we became adults, as we got older and as we matured physically, mentally, and all of that, um, a gap began to develop for some of us. And between what we were told we were supposed to believe and what we actually experienced, it's almost like our, our faith journey didn't mature with us along the way, the way we matured physically. And so, uh, you know, some of us, we, we kind of responded to that one of two different ways. Uh, you may have responded to that gap the way I responded to that gap. The way I responded to that gap was I just kind of like white knuckled it and said, well, I just got to believe anyway. You know, I'm just not going to pay attention to whatever that is that's kind of shaken my faith foundation. I'm not going to pay attention to that. Uh, I'm going to kind of squint at it, focus over here because you just got to believe. That's the way I responded to it. You may have responded differently. You might have said, I don't know. You might have been a little bit more intellectually honest with yourself than maybe what I was. And you said, you know, I think I'm going to have to move on from what I was told as a child because it doesn't really line up with what I'm experiencing and what my mama told me, you know. So there's this gap that has developed for many of us. And But at the same time, if you're anything like me, you want to know right? You want to know if there's a God out there, if there is anything to faith, to belief, and you want to know what's true, if you're anything like me. Everybody wants to know what's true, whether we do anything about it or not, we want to know. So that's why we asked the question, what would it look like to just kind of like Whitney and I were talking about, just wipe the slate clean, start over, wipe the slate with what we've been told, and just begin again. What would it be like if we had an adult Beginning point. Not that we're saying that what your parents told you or your pastor told you or your priest or anything. We're not saying they're wrong. That's not the point. We were just asking the question, if we began again, where would we begin? Um, so that's what this series has been about. You can uh, catch up weeks one through six, YouTube, SoundCloud, Facebook. I would encourage you to do that. Um, if you have not uh, caught all the first six parts, I would really encourage you to do that. We would always encourage you to listen to all the parts of a series that, that we present here, but this one really specifically, because it is, man, it, it builds upon itself. But um, today what we're going to talk about is a word that's kind of central to this discussion. It, it's, it's necessary. In fact, like I said in the welcome, it's a word that we've purposely kind of navigated around to this point, but we, you know, we kind of started figuring since we're talking about an adult beginning point to faith, 
kind of need to talk about faith, right? We need to talk about faith. Now, I just want you to know up front, this is kind of a disclaimer. I want you to know up front that this isn't really much of a, of a sermon today. Uh, there's, there's, there's like one Bible verse at the, at the end. So I, I want you to know that up front. But here's why. Here's the, the reason we're presenting this faith conversation the way we are. Because faith, perhaps, faith is the most confused, misused, and abused concept in religion. Perhaps the most confused, misused, and abused concept in all of religion. This word right here, faith, that you see on your screen, man, it gets abused. It, it gets weaponized in the church. We weaponize it. Um, so in order for us to really have an honest conversation about faith or belief, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to kind of take a step back, right? We're going to kind of take a step back, and we're going to look at this kind of from the top down, kind of almost an umbrella perspective of faith. Um, now, I want you to know also, I'm going to use the words faith and belief interchangeably this morning because they're the same thing. So you may hear me say faith, you may hear me say belief, but they're the same thing. Um, because really the word faith is not a religious word. We think of it as a religious word, but it's really not. And the word belief is really not a religious word. Um, they're not even religious terms. But, but they are used in the context of religion. That, that hopefully is going to make more sense. And sometimes, here's what happens. Not all the time, but sometimes. When these words faith or belief, when they get pulled out of the secular everyday life, and they kind of get inserted into the religious, here's what happens to those words, faith and belief. Here's what happens. They kind of get mystical, right? They kind of get um, ooey-gooey, spiritual. All of a sudden, when you take belief and you remove it from the secular and you insert it into the, to the religious, all of a sudden, there's like this mystical power that we begin to associate with the word. So. What we're going to do this morning is we're just going to try as best we can to take the mystery out of these words because they really shouldn't be all that mysterious um, because faith is faith and belief is belief. Um, in fact, you express these things all the time, every single day in your everyday life. You express belief. Not a religious thing. It's just a, it's a human thing. It's just a you thing and it's a me thing. Um, so we're really not going to talk about religious faith until we get to the end this morning. We're just going to, as best we can, paint a picture. We're going to kind of put some fat on the bones a little bit as to these words that we have kind of mysticized a little bit, or maybe a lot. We're just going to try to, you know, fatten it up a little bit and paint a picture. What is faith? What is belief? What, what is it? Um, and finally, and most importantly, then what we're going to do is we're going to say, how does this concept of faith, this concept of belief, how does it work within religion? How does it fit? Um, so to begin, here's what we're going to do very quickly. Well, maybe not as quickly as you would like, but we're going to try. Um, we're we're going to give you three general observations, just three general observations about faith. Now, they, we're not necessarily taking these out of Scripture. This is just general observations that I think you can agree with. Uh, observation number one is this, the ability to believe. The ability to believe is the most powerful force at mankind's disposal. Now, that's going to stay up there because I, I don't want you to really to miss that, that's assumption number one. The abil your ability to believe is the most powerful force that you can leverage in your day-to-day -day life. Now, you've never thought about it in those terms, probably. But if you think about it for a few minutes, I think you'll agree with that. We don't think of faith or belief as an ability. 
but it is. Um, I, I don't think that your dog has this ability. Now, look, I'm not talking about your dog or your cat or your fish or your hamster or your gerbil or whatever you have. I'm not talking about your pets. I'm just making a statement. I don't think that your pet has the ability to believe. All they do is eat and sleep, right? Um, I, I don't think your, your dogs, if you got more than one, I don't think they get together and kind of share a vision for their future, right? I don't think they discuss what could be and what should be. I just don't think pets do that. I think that this ability is inherently human belief. And it's the most powerful force imaginable when you think about it. Now, when I say the most powerful force imaginable, again, I want to paint that picture a little bit better. I want you to think about that. Everything that has ever been accomplished has been accomplished because someone believed that it could be accomplished. But they also believed that it should be accomplished. Everything. Everything begins with an idea, right? It begins with a belief. And, and then as humans, we have an incredible ability. We have, we have an incredible ability to kind of um, lean forward in our brains and start making words come out of our mouth, you know? We have the ability to communicate these ideas and these thoughts and these beliefs. And all of a sudden, man, stuff starts happening. The world begins to change. All be it's unbelievable when you think about it. Every problem that has ever been solved, it was solved because somebody believed that it could be solved and that it should be solved. And then that person made other people believe, right, that it could be solved and it should be solved. And the next thing you know, there's a, a bunch of people believing the same thing and the world change. It changes. Jesus actually talked about this. Jesus talked about how, um, and you may have read this before, Jesus talked about how if you have enough faith, you can move a mountain. Move a mountain if you had enough faith. Now, here's where things kind of get a little squirrely, though. We, we kind of get all geeked out about that. And, we, and we're like, is that literal? Is, is that literal? Is that literally what we're talking about? We kind of get geeked out on that, that verse. And, but, but when you really think about it, we've done it right? I mean, we've seen that happen. In your lifetime, you have seen mountains moved because someone believed because of faith. You have seen medical mountains move in your lifetime, right? I mean, you've seen cures for, I have seen cures for diseases, childhood uh, diseases that do not exist anymore, all because somebody believed that they could be and should be fixed and taken care of. They believed it should be eradicated, and it could be eradicated, and they talked about it, right? They talked about it. They got some other people on the same page, and they raised some money. They spent some money. They did some investigations, some experience, uh, experiments, some research. Now it's gone. And the places where they do pop up, you know, we know what to do. We know how to take care of it. All because someone believed. That was the start, all because someone believed. Educational mountains have been moved. Racial mountains have been moved. Slavery, civil rights. We could literally go on and on and on about all of the mountains that have been moved because someone believed faith. So, again, I don't, I don't want to miss this. The power to believe, the power to organize a movement around that belief is the most powerful thing that the human race has ever been given. It's behind everything good we have ever done, and it's also behind everything bad that we have ever done. It's like a weapon. 
you know, you point a weapon and you pull the trigger, something's going to happen. Could be good, could be bad. Something's going to happen. Think about it. Ideologies, belief systems, they drive world events. Do it every day. You see it every day. Ideologies and world events. Think about it like this. How did this country get started? United States, right? America. Hashtag America. How did this country get started? This country was started because there was a group of people who believed differently than England. Pretty simple. I mean, there was a bunch of colonists that got together, and they said, we believe that this ain't the way we should do it anymore. We ought to do it different. People gave some speeches. People like Patrick Henry and Samuel Adams. man by the name of Thomas Paine wrote a pamphlet, you know, and you got enough people. This was just words, just talking words. But those words, they got emotions stirred up. And the next thing you know, there's a whole bunch of people that believe the same thing. We had ourselves a war. March of 1775 starts at Lexington and Concord. And in the fall of 1781, it ends on the Yorktown Peninsula. And we won. Ain't we something? All because someone believed. That was the 1700s. What happens in the 1800s? Right? What happens in the 1800s? We get divided. Less than 100 years later, about 80 years later, we get divided. Why? Because of beliefs. Beliefs. Believe different. And people over here that said, I think that slavery is good. It's, it should be. And I, I don't think so. I disagree with you. I don't think that it should be. Well, I, I think you need to mind your own business to keep your mouth shut. Well, I think that you just, well, I'm going to go get a gun. All right, I'm going to go get a gun too. Next thing you know, we had a war. Our nation was divided over ideas. Think about this. People talked. People believed. We went to war with one another, and between 600,000 and 800,000 men lose their lives during the American Civil War from 1861 to 1865, all because of belief. In fact, anytime you turn on the television, if you watch maybe one of the cable news networks, you know, anytime you turn on the television and you see any type of conflict, international conflict, domestic conflict, you name it, you see any type of conflict, what is behind that conflict is because people believe differently. They think things should be different than what they are. People see the world differently. And then those people kind of gather in their communities of shared belief. And the next thing you know, you get enough people believing the same thing, horrible things happen, or extraordinary things happen, all because of belief. Here's another way to think about it, and, and I'm going to apologize. We're going to use Godwin's law. It's a law that says, you know, every conversation like this always ends up with Hitler, but bear with me. Think about it. Adolf Hitler dragged the world into a war by talking. He talked. He talked. There was a little bit of violence that he was involved in in the 20s, and that was it. He talked. All he did. Germany was having a tough time in the 20s as a result of, you know, war reparations from World War I, and, and, and Hitler talked about the things that they were experiencing. He kind of put his spin on the things that they were experiencing, and he said, this is what could be for the German people. This is what should be for the German people, and slowly people began to believe that he was right. And then all the nations surrounding Germany, they had a decision to make. What do we believe? 
should be done with what's going on in Germany. A couple of years later, 1939, world's at war. Millions of people dead. And all he did was talk. He talked. He came to power legally. He talked. That, that is the power of an idea. That is the power of belief. That's the power of someone with really good communication skills who can get up and rally people around ideas. That's it. That's the power to believe in something. And it's the most powerful thing that you and I have the ability to leverage. Belief. Here's what we all know. When we believe that something is possible, when we believe that something is possible, we will look for a way until we find a way, right? When we believe that something is possible, we'll look for a way to make it happen until we find a way. It, you may have, this is, this may be a little sideways, but you, um, you ever heard of like the, there, there's a lot of examples in tech companies. There's several examples of this where they'll hire a brand new employee and they'll give him or her a task that is impossible, can't be done. And everyone knows in the company that this task is impossible. There's no way they can do it. Um, there's several examples of this. And um, it's kind of like almost an initiation. It's like, we know it can't. Welcome to our company. Here, work on this problem. Can't be solved. We're not going to tell you that. But every once in a while, here's what happens. Someone solves it. They figure it out. They come back and they say, I solved the problem. And they're like, no, it's, you couldn't have solved the problem. It's impossible. Well, you believe that it was impossible, so you quit trying Somebody told me it was impossible, so I solved it. That's the power of belief. Here's something else that you know, maybe. Maybe you've never thought about it like this. But study after study after study says that optimists, someone who is optimistic, you know, glass half full, they always outsell their smarter, um, less optimistic peers. Always works out that way. Study after study proves this out. Um, if you want to hire a really good salesperson, don't hire the brightest. Hire the optimist. Hire the, you know why? Because they believe. Because if you believe you can, eventually you will. Maybe you've heard before that seeing is believing. But in truth, believing is seeing. I mean, I ripped that completely from the Santa Claus, but, you know, and those of you that know what I'm talking about. But it's true. I mean, believing is seeing. If you believe something long enough and you believe something hard enough, eventually, you'll start to see it. It becomes true. It becomes a reality. And we all want to believe what's true, but, but you can believe something so hard and so fast that eventually, over enough time, it will become true to you. That's the power of belief. Most powerful thing we have. And it's not, just a, it's not a religious thing. This is just a human thing. It just is. It's just belief. So to summarize that first observation, Belief empowers us to try. It empowers us to try again and to anticipate and to hope and to imagine and to create and to improve. Belief. Second general observation about belief. Again, just a general observation. Um, before we get to the religious part of this is we constantly are on the lookout for evidence to support whatever it is we believe. Right? I've done this. You're constantly looking for evidence to support something that you already believe to be true. Constantly. Whether you are consciously doing it or subconsciously doing it, we're on the lookout for evidence to support what we believe. And I think particularly that this is true of the Republican Party. 
got quiet in here. And, and the Democratic Party, and the Democratic Party, and the Libertarian Party, and, and the Independents, and, and you, and me. It's just, that's just human. It has nothing to do with anybody. It's just human. It's the way we are. We all do this. We're all constantly trying to find evidence to support whatever it is we believe. You watch television, right? If you watch television, I've done this, and you, you turn on one of the cable news networks, you know, you turn, on, turn it on, and, and that person's on there, and they're saying things that you agree with. Like, I, yeah, I told you. Just talking to your wife, your husband, I told you that's the way it was. I told you. That's right. That's a fact, man. You, you trust them. Commercial. Counterpoint. Next person comes on. They got the counter argument. And you're like, hey, you can't believe them. You can't believe anything that person says. You, why are we even watching this channel? We don't watch this. Right? That's what we do. You turn it off. Why? Why do we do that? Because we're constantly looking for things to support what we already believe. And we're constantly filtering out things that are contrary to what we believe. And I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. It's human. This is how belief works. This is one of the things that makes belief so powerful and yet also so dangerous. Because as soon as you embrace a belief system, and it doesn't matter what that belief system is, it can be about a business belief system, it can be a family belief system, a political belief system. That's the one that you know we kind of lean on the most when we're talking about this kind of stuff, a political or a religious belief system. It doesn't matter. As soon as you embrace that belief system, you will begin a process. I will begin a process of looking for things to support what I believe and pruning out things that don't support what I believe. Here's a quick sidebar, very, very quickly. Do you know what the key to a happy marriage is? This Again, this is proven out in study after study. The key to a happy marriage is couples who believe the best in one another see the best in one another. If they believe the best, it's been shown over and over again. If you get a couple who's married and they actually believe the best about that person in every way, that's what they see. That's what becomes their reality. She's late, but she's got a good reason. I know she's got a good reason. She, she wouldn't be late for no reason. She's, yeah, so she's late. She's not late on purpose. She's just probably got caught in traffic. Or you're looking for the worst, she's late. Ah, mm-hmm. I wonder what she's doing. And I don't know why it's got to be a she. I apologize for that. But, you know, I'm a guy. Ah, well, where she's at. I wonder who she's with. Right? Accuse, accuse, accuse. It's, what do you believe about that person? People can begin planning ideas in your mind about someone that you love and that you care about. And eventually, if you start to believe them, you'll start seeing evidence to support it. I can stand up here, and for some of you, I can stand up here and I can convince you to start being suspicious of your spouse. All I have to do is say words, and, and, and no matter how happily married you are, if you start to believe what I'm telling you, it can happen. Belief, the power of belief, faith, the powerful, powerful thing that we have access to, that we have the ability to leverage. I'm just trying to paint a picture of how powerful belief is. That's all I'm trying to do. Okay, third observation, very quickly. Belief is easier to maintain. It's easy to maintain within a community of shared belief. Think about this. You know this is true. This explains so much, and here's why. Because um, in a community of shared belief, 
in a community of shared belief, not only are you only allowing information in that supports whatever it is that you believe, but and, and pruning out the things, filtering out the things that do not support the things that you believe, but everybody around you is doing the same thing. And so if you ever do begin to wonder, eh, I don't know. I don't know if I believe that's true or not anymore. All of a sudden, there's like 37 people that come around beside you and say, you're right, and here's why. Community of shared belief. It's one of the reasons that, you know, you can go to a different country or even a different region in this country, and you can look at, at things about that part of the world or that part of the nation, and you can say, why do they act that way? Why do they talk that way? Why do they react that way? But if you were to actually go to that country and live there for a period of time, again, I'm not, it's just studies prove this out. You'll start to say, oh, okay, well, that's, that's why. That, that's why. Makes more sense now. This may come as a shock to you. This may come as a shock to you. It's, it's almost hard for me to say it. So shocking. Do you realize that there are people in other parts of the world that wonder, why do Americans act that way? Right? Because we're right. That's why. America. But it's true. You can go to different parts of this country. Same country, same language, basically the same culture. Changes in, in some ways. But you can go to different parts of this country and you can fall into the exact same dilemma. Right? In the south, in the northeast, the west coast. You know, you can run into the same thing. Rich people tend to believe the same way that rich people do. Rich people tend to believe the same way. Poor people tend to believe the same way. And again, I'm not, it's not a like negative or it's just, just facts. This is the power of belief. And in a community, whether we're talking about a religious community, a, a business community, if we're talking about a fraternity, a sorority, it doesn't matter. But it, within a community, Inside of that community, people are going to pretty much believe the same way. Shared belief. It's powerful. And that's the reason why there's so many different religions. That's the reason why there's so many different factions of even Christianity. So that's kind of belief in a nutshell. Okay, I told you we were going to like go way back over the top, look at it from the top down, and just kind of unpack and just kind of almost, you know, take apart belief. Faith. That's belief in a nutshell. Faith in a nutshell. And, and here's what I think. Here's what I think. I think this. I think that God gave us the ability to believe. I think that's a gift. I think that is created in me and in you. I think belief is an ability. I think that if you had to choose between the ability to believe and your opposable thumb, you know, like the thing that's supposed to separate us from everything, right? I think if you had to choose between the ability to believe and your opposable thumbs, I think you would choose belief every single time. And here's why. Because if you didn't have opposable thumbs, but you had the ability to believe, you know what you'd do? You'd figure out a way to make opposable thumbs happen. You'd figure it out, because that's what belief does. And I think God gave us, the, gave us this gift. I think it's a gift, and it's created. Imagine for a moment, just, and, and truthfully, you can't do this. This is not possible. But imagine for a moment living your life without belief. Now, you can't. And here's why you can't do that, because imagination is tied to belief. They're like, you know, can't have one without the other. But, but just for the sake of this morning, okay, work with me here on this. Um, imagine, even though you can't, imagine if you can, what would it be like to not have the ability to believe? What would it be like 
to not be able to consider change, to not be able to consider what could be and what should be, to not be able to rally support around an idea. What would it be like? You would have no hope. There would be no hope. I mean, I believe very strongly that God gave us this ability, the belief, faith. It makes life better. It makes life richer. It allows us to move forward. It allows us to build off of acquired knowledge, generation after generation after generation. Now, we haven't gotten to the religious part yet. That's just the power of belief, faith. Okay, so now we've taken a step back. Now we're going to take a step forward. We're going to talk about it from kind of a religious perspective. How does religious belief, religious faith, how does it intersect with this world that is observable and repeatable? How does it intersect? Well, religious belief is simply belief applied to things of a religious nature. That's what religious belief is. It's things, it's belief, faith replied, uh, applied to things of a religious nature. Now, you might disagree with that, but think about it. All religious belief is, it's not a power. It's not a power. It's not mystical. It's not a power even though it's powerful. It's powerful because belief is powerful. Religious belief is just applying belief to things of a religious nature. Specifically, here's what religious belief is. Religious belief or faith, it hinges on a phrase. Believe that right? I believe that God hears my prayers. Jews believe that Abraham was called by God. Jews believe that Abraham was made some promises by God. Muslims believe that Muhammad was spoken to by the angel Gabriel in a cave. Christians believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Believe that. Think about it. If you get enough people who believe the same thing, and they're filtering out things that don't support it, man, they're grabbing on to things that do, next thing you know, you've got a movement. Right? Look, if you believe in something deeply enough, any religious system will become a self-fulfilling prophecy for you. Will. I can feel the tension in the room. Boy, this is good. I feel it. It's good. It just does. It, if you get enough people believing and looking for things to substantiate that belief, any religious system out there will become a self-fulfilling prophecy for you. Muslims, Christians, Buddhists, Sikhs, you name it. It will. Because everybody has some believe that's. Right? I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. And you get enough of them together, and you got a religion. And you'll start to see answers to prayers because that's what you're looking for. Some of you will, will, will completely understand where I'm coming from on this. Because like for us, for Christians, here's what we do. If we do not get a prayer answered, here's what we say. This is the way I, remember I said faith and belief, it kind of gets weaponized. This is the way it was weaponized for me. If you don't get a, a prayer answered, you know why? You didn't have enough that's how it was weaponized for me. Um, 
Well, or, or this one, this is the other one. And this was probably more than the faith one. This one for me, and you might have been different. If you do not get a prayer answered, if things aren't going your way, you must have sin in your life. That's how it was weaponized for me. I mean, if that's the standard, I'm, we're all in trouble. But, you know, that's another, another series. There's always an excuse. We have to, we're coming up with all these excuses because the reason we have to make those excuses is because it's our way of filtering out the information that doesn't fit with the way we believe. Are you following this? I, I, I feel like I'm all over the place and I'm so clunky, but all I'm trying to, to convey, that's religious faith in a nutshell. That's the religious faith I grew up with. Maybe you did. So, uh -huh, this is where you've been looking for like, when's it going to turn a little bit? Okay. So, all of that being said, what in the world do we do with all of this? What do we do with it? All of that. If all that's, what do we do with it? Because one response to all of this, and it's a response that a lot of people have, it's a response that some of you might have, is, well, I guess I guess religion's just kind of like a Jedi mind trick, I guess. Is that kind of what religion really is at its core? And if you get enough people saying the same thing over and over again, you know, and you get somebody up there who is a compelling, persuasive speaker, you know, and you get enough naive people together, well, next thing you know, I guess you can have a religion. I guess that's how it works. Or, or, or you, you can believe that's all religion is because, quite honestly, you know, just a bunch of people getting together, believing the same thing because they're scared of death. They're scared of dying. And the truth of the matter is, you would be right. You would be right. That's kind of what religion is. So maybe that's what this is, right? I mean, you got to, with everything that's been said to this point, and if you're watching us online, you may have already tuned out. If you haven't, sorry, but you're, you're not there for me to be talking to. But with all of that being said, the question can be, why are we here? What's the point? Why do I get up? early on a Saturday morning when I could be fishing. I'll tell you why you're not fishing this morning. It's too hot. That's why you're not fishing. The reason I'm not, no. Or, you know, why, why do I not just sleep in on Sundays? I said Saturday, I meant Sunday. Why? What's this all about? Because another option is this. Maybe, maybe here's what religion is. Maybe religion is just kind of like a pick one. You know, it doesn't really matter. It matter what religion you're in. Just kind of open the book of world religions, pick one, go with that. Because you know, you should just pick a religion and be religious because, I mean, look, hey, studies again, studies show religious people genuinely are happier. They usually are happier. They usually t uh, live a little bit longer, and they typically have better relationships. That's, again, it's just it's different studies. I know there's a lot of studies out there, but generally speaking, the concept is religious people, they tend to be a little happier. So maybe that's what religion is. Just kind of pick one, go with that one. That's what I'm going to be. That's where I'm going to go. And eventually, hey, believe that hard enough. Eventually get around enough people that also believe that. Next thing you happen, you got a religion. Happens all the time. But kind of the bottom line this morning is this. And then we're done. Don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling. You're from the 70s. You know I'm not, but I like the 70s music. You know what I'm talking Yeah, just man, that's the bottom line. Don't stop believing. Let's pray, right? No, seriously. That's kind of the end of the non-sermon part of this, okay? Um, here's the rest. 
everything that has been said up to this point, I've been up here like 30 minutes, you know, everything that's been said to this point, you've got to ask the question in light of all of that. And I, I, what do we do with this? What are we going to, why are we here? Why is there a church? Cole, do you really believe the things that you just said? Yes, I do. There's no gotcha in this. I really believe that belief is a gift from God. I really believe that the ability to believe is created inside of me and you. And I really believe that belief is the most powerful thing on planet Earth that you and I can leverage. I really believe that. And I really believe that when you leave here today, if you go home and you turn on the television and you watch the news, you'll see it happen in real time. I really believe that. So, with everything that has been said to this point, and the honest question for some of you is like, what are, really, that's it? Why are we here? Very quickly, I want to tell you why I'm a Christian. I, I want to explain to you why I believe what I believe. And it has everything to do with what we just talked about. Everything. Here's the foundation. Here's what you need to know. Here's why you're here. You're here because when Jesus died, when Jesus died, those who were closest to him believed that he was dead. That's why you're here. When Jesus died, the people that knew him best, the people that spent countless hours with him, the people that actually will bring us the story of Jesus of Nazareth later, they believed that he was dead. That's what they believed. They believed he was dead. All of those parables, after all of those parables, all those miracles, after all of those, those cool, snappy, snarky responses to the Pharisees, they believed he was dead. The closest followers of Jesus, they believed, they believed that Jesus was a powerful speaker whose powerful speaking got him crucified. If you were to ask Peter, Peter, what, what do you believe about Jesus? What, what do you believe about him? He would have said, well, I, now that he's dead, looking back, I, I guess he was just a powerful speaker who didn't know when to keep his mouth shut. Yes. They believed that he was not the Messiah after he died. John, what do you believe? Well, I was hoping, <laughs> thought he was the Messiah. But obviously he's not. Why, John? Why? Because he, he's dead. He's dead. They believed that he was not the son of God. Andrew, tell me the truth. Come on. You spent all of that time with Jesus. What do you really believe? I, I know what I hoped was true. I know what I thought was true. I really thought he was the son of God. I really believed that. But he died. Jupiter and Mars, they won. The Roman gods, they won. Yahweh lost. You know? He wasn't the son of God. He couldn't have been the son of God. We were wrong. Why, Andrew? Why do you believe that? Because he's dead. Dead. They believed that their lives were in jeopardy. And they were. They believed it. This is very important. This is so important. Like, this is, this is maybe the most important thing we're going to say. Because... Uh, this is unlike any religious movement that's ever existed. This is not the way religious movements start. This is not the, this ain't normal. I mean, this is the way it's supposed to work. A religious movement starts when Gandhi dies, 
all of the Gandhiites get together and they say, hey, we've got to keep the teachings and the wisdom and, and the truths of Gandhi alive and going. And so that's what they do. And they take his teachings and, and they elevate Gandhi to the status of a martyr and, and a movement begins. That's the way it happens. When the prophet Muhammad died, probably of old age, his followers got together and they decided that they had to take his teachings and they had to make sure they stayed together, the teachings of Islam. We've got to copy it and we've got to disseminate it. We have to make sure the teachings of Muhammad stay alive. It's true of all martyrs. It's true of all religious leaders. That's how a movement happens. But Jesus was different. That was not the way it happened with Jesus. It was different because it was the problem with that. They couldn't do it that way. And here's why, because Jesus had said way too much about himself. I mean, Jesus had built the whole movement on who he was, not what he said, not his miracles, not the raising of Lazarus. Jesus had built his entire movement on who he said he was. And when he died, Jesus could not have possibly been who he claimed to be. It said too much. So in the end, so in the end, all of Jesus' closest followers, they lost faith. Guys, what do you believe? I don't believe any of that anymore. I don't believe any of it. I don't believe that he's the son of God. I don't believe that he's the Messiah. I don't believe much of anything that I believed before he died. So guys, what are you going to do? I mean, you're going to do what everybody else does, right? You're going to take the teachings of Jesus and the words of Jesus and the miracles of Jesus and all of that stuff, and you're going to make sure they get recorded and copied and dispensed the entire world, right? That's, that's what you're going to do. You're going to make sure that the Sermon on the Mount gets to, into the hands of as many people as you possibly can. Are you kidding me? No, we're not going to do that. We can't even go outside. We're outlaws. Besides, who would take us seriously? Why would we do this? Because everything that he said during his life cannot possibly be true. Because everything that he said was based on what he claimed to be and who he claimed to be. And he's dead. He can't possibly be those things. This is the end. There's no story to tell. Even his mother, the end. We had hoped. We, we, had, we had believed. And then the Romans came. And then the Jewish authorities turned against him. And the end. That's it. I'm going to tell his story. There's no story to tell. Please don't miss this. Please don't miss this. The people that knew him best, the people that watched him, ate meals with him, learned from him, saw the miracles, the people who bring us the story of Jesus of Nazareth later, they don't believe what we believe about him. They didn't believe it. They knew him. Because when, when he died, Jesus died, they believed that he was dead and that he would stay that way. And this is why I am a Christian. Throw everything else out. Right there. This is why I'm a Christian. Because a few days later, 
A few weeks later, that same group of cowards who ran for the hills when Jesus was arrested, right? A few weeks later, Peter, who, who was watching all of the events unfold from the side, just hoping a miracle was going to happen. You know, he's he going he to come out of this. Man, he, there's no way this is going to happen the way it looks like it's going to happen. Jesus is going to come through, and he's going to take his rightful place and do the things that we think that he's supposed to do. Peter, he's watching from the side. A middle school-aged girl comes up to him and says, weren't you with Jesus? And he, Peter says, I never knew the blankety-blank guy. That same Peter, a few weeks later, those same cowards, they go on the streets of Jerusalem. Not a hundred years later, not 50 years later, not in some other city, hundreds of miles. They go into the very city where everything had happened. All of these things had taken place just weeks before. They go to the streets and they preach Jesus. Something changed. Something happened. This is so cool. Guess what they don't preach? What do they not preach? Well, there is zero evidence, zero, that they came into the streets of Jerusalem weeks later and said, we want to talk about the things that Jesus talked about. They didn't do that. They didn't talk to him about the prodigal son. They didn't talk to him about the Sermon on the Mount. They didn't say, blessed are the peacemakers. They didn't do any of that. None of that stuff. That's not what they taught. That's not what they preached in the streets of Jerusalem weeks after Jesus' crucifixion. They went into the streets and they had a four-part message. Four parts. Do yourself a favor. Check out the New Testament. Check out uh, Acts. And see what their four-part message was. I'll give you a hint. This is their four-part message. You killed him. God raised him. We've seen him. Say you're sorry. That was it. They didn't say anything about what Jesus had talked about. Now, this is amazing. You don't talk about any of that. They, that's it. That was, and for decades, that was it. You killed him. God raised him. We've seen him. Say you're sorry. 20 years later, 20 years later, the apostle Paul, he's in Athens, Athens, Greece. He's talking about Jesus. The Athenians are like, What's this babbler talking about? What's this guy talking about? Wh 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 who? They take him to the city council. We actually talked about this in week one. They take him to the city council. And the city council says to Paul, sir, can you explain to us what you're talking about? Paul says this. He says, I want to tell you about something that God has done in our generation and in our midst. I want to tell you about something that God has done. He's done it for all people. I want to talk to you about Jesus. That was it. Paul doesn't talk to them about the Sermon on the Mount, any of the miracles. He doesn't talk about the fact that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. Paul talks to them about Jesus and how God had done something, an event. And that's not all. Paul says, I want to talk to you about Jesus. And then he says this in Acts chapter 17. He says, and he, God, has given us proof of this, proof of what he has done. Proof, religious proof. Yeah, he's given us proof. Here's how he proved it. He raised him from the dead. The resurrection. That was it. Do you know why the church survived the first century? The reason that the church survived, the reason we're here today, the reason that you're watching us right now online from wherever you happen to be, the reason that we're here, the whole point, 
why? You know why I'm a Christian? Do you know why I believe you should seriously consider the claims of Christianity and you should seriously consider what Jesus, not what necessarily what he said right now, but what they said about him and about what happened? The Christian faith, here's why. Because when Jesus died, nobody believed. Nobody believed. Zero. No one come, comes out later and says, you know, well, I, I believe the whole time. I, they didn't believe, but I, I never lost faith. No one does that. We have none of that in the record. Peter tells us James, John, Matthew, Andrew, by their own testimony and by their testimonies of one another, they say, no, we were cowards. We ran away. We lost faith. We didn't believe. Then they saw something saw something. They didn't believe something. That's, that, that's too easy. They didn't believe something. They saw something. They saw their risen Savior. They saw Jesus. And something changed. Something happened. They were different. And for the next 20, 30, 40 years, their message is the same. It never changes. Their message is God has not simply said something through a prophet. That's happened before. That's old. That's happened. Now, their message was God has done something. There has been an event. He has raised a man from the dead. You killed him. God raised him. We've seen him say you're sorry. That was it. They didn't simply believe that the teachings of Jesus were true. That's not what they taught. They believed, and we believe, that something happened. An event. See, that's the foundation of our faith. Say, so why am I a Christian? That's why. Because we believe that Jesus was crucified for our sins and that God raised him from the dead. An event. That's why we're here. We don't say it because the Bible says so. That's too easy. I mean, the Gospels weren't written for 20, 30, 40 years after the fact. The Bible's not compiled for another two or 300 years. There are thousands of people that become a follower of Jesus because the eyewitnesses to the event were so extraordinarily convinced of what they had seen. The church was not launched because of a book. The church was not launched because of a teaching. The church was launched because of an event, a resurrected Savior. And the men, in the beginning, ran. They took off. They took tail, and they got out of there. He said, we've seen it with our own eyes. We've seen it. You can take our lives if you want to, not because of something we believe. People die for their beliefs all the time. You can take our lives because we're willing to die for what we saw. We saw a resurrected Jesus. And here's why I believe it today, in the 21st century. This is why. Not because the Bible says so, but because Matthew, who was there, there, he saw it, and he wrote about it. Because Mark, who spent time with Peter, wrote about it. Because Luke, who thoroughly investigated all of the claims of the eyewitnesses, he wrote about it. And he said, yeah, this is what happened. And John, he saw it, and he wrote about it. That's why I believe. James, the brother of Jesus. Think about it. Think about it. I've said this before, but I, I think it repeats or it bears repeating. What would it take for your brother to convince you that he was the son of God? 
Couldn't do it. No way. There's nothing my brother could say to me to convince me. Nothing. But in the end, James shows up later. He wasn't a follower in the beginning. He shows up later. And he declares that his brother is his savior and his God. What in the world could have convinced James of that? One thing. He saw him die. And he walked off from the foot of the cross with his mother. And a few days later, he sees his resurrected brother. Men and women who, after the death of Jesus, believed none of that. That's the reason that the fundamental question that you've got to wrestle to the ground, the, fund, the bedrock question that you have to come up with your answer to, it's the question we introduce in week one of this series, the fundamental question that you've got to answer as it pertains to a beginning point for your faith. Whether for the first time or quite honestly, if you're continuing your faith, the question you've got to wrestle to the ground is this, who is Jesus? Who is he? And here's the thing that I, I hope that you'll take away from today, and, and I'm done. A single event, a single event changed the way the people who were the closest to him believed. Changed everything. Pre-resurrection, if you would have said, who is Jesus? They would have said, we know what we thought, but he's dead. So, you know, good speaker, wise. Post-resurrection, who is Jesus? Totally different answer. An answer quite honestly, that was strong enough to make them go into the streets of the city where he had been crucified, risk their lives, and preach a four-part message. You killed him. God raised him. We've seen him. That's the reason we're doing this. Say you're sorry. See, I, I am not a Christian. I am not a Christian because the Bible says so. I am not a Christian because I believe this or because you believe that. That's not the reason that I am a Christian. I am a Christian because of the answer that I have come to with one question. And you can disagree, and that's okay. I'm, I'm not telling you what you need to believe. I'm just telling you what I believe. Because of the answer that I have come to from the question, who is Jesus? Because I believe, I believe that a single event, a single event changed the way those who were closest to him answered that question. How do you answer that question? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about these things in public. This is not, as we're going to see next week, this is not the way it started. God, thank you so much for preserving your word for us. But God, thank you for your resurrection. Thank you for the resurrection of your son. Thank you for not simply leaving us with another list of things to do or another prophet to listen to. You gave us proof to all of this by raising your son from the dead. Thank you for letting us talk about these things and, and give us the courage to, to wrestle these things to the ground and wrestle with them openly and give us the wisdom, God, to know what to do with what we've heard today and give us the courage to do it. And it's in your son's name that we ask these things. Amen.